Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> hey guys, here we go one more time for the AFC North wrapping it up before we finally get to our NFC North brethren and start to wrap this thing up as we inch closer and closer to training camp in the start of the 2021 season. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back once again. And, um, you know, this is episode, I think, 11 for our opponent preview series, we got four more to go. We got Detroit next Monday, um, Minnesota next Thursday, Green Bay the following uh, Monday, and then two weeks from today, we will have Lauren Cox on from Locked On Bears to preview our beloved Chicago Bears as we head into training camp the following week. So um, exciting times. We are in training camp month, and before you know it, training camp month will be or, you know, like the month leading up to training camp will be over, and then it will be preseason month, and then shortly after that, it will be regular season. Life is back to as it should be month in September. So cannot wait uh, for that to get along, especially since I have never been a big fan of summer. Even when I was a kid, I hated hot weather. Um, I, you know, I, it, I liked uh, the, the, the only reason I liked summer was because it meant I had some time off from school. No school for a while, and we get to go to the beach, we get to go swimming, you know, things like that. But if you just want to go outside and play baseball, I'm good. I'm going to hang out in here and watch Teenage, Newton, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, uh, you know, the Flintstones and Tom and Jerry and all that and stuff. I'm, I'm good, you know. If you want to go swimming, I'm your guy. You want to go out and swing on the swings when it's 98 degrees and 1,000% humidity? I'm cool. I'm going to hang out with the family. And uh, here, I'm going to go upstairs and play uh, Super Mario Brothers for the – 15th million time uh, in my uh, in my bedroom, so I'm good. But um, 
Yeah, so the the end of summer will signal the end of our waiting period for football and will also mean the end of this god-awful season that I, I'm a fall guy. I've always been a fall guy in, uh, you know, temperature-wise and because it means football is back, I'm a fall guy. So uh, anyway, to help us wrap up the uh, NFC, or excuse me, AFC North as the Bears look for their third straight AFC North championship uh, will be the Pittsburgh Steelers and Chris Carter, uh, Christopher Carter, excuse me, from the Locked On Steelers uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, had an interesting conversation uh, with him, uh, as I'm sure you've all learned from our previous uh, three AFC North guests. Not a very high opinion of what the Steelers may or may not do uh, in 2021. You will find that Chris disagrees with that. <laughs> that as a Steeler fan, as somebody who spends time uh, up close and personal with the team, he happens to think that uh, 2021 is going to be one of those uh, one of those years where everybody doubts and hates on the Steelers, and they come back and they wreck shop. So. We'll see. But, um, you know, we did talk a lot about the, the, the end of the season collapse that the Steelers had to start 11-0 and and then go 1-5 and down the stretch, including back-to-back losses to the Browns Week 17 and then the, then the, the night of just the wild card round where, you know, just it just was not going to be their night. You know, Cleveland took advantage of every single mistake that Pittsburgh made, and Pittsburgh made them in droves early on uh, in the football game. So they were just kind of snake bitten from the very beginning. And uh, that's how their season ended when, you know, at the beginning for the first three months of the season, 11 and 0, they're running rough shot through everybody. And, you know, it's like they, that then, then came that loss on that like Tuesday afternoon game uh, to the Washington uh, football team. And it seemed to like open the floodgates to this is how you beat the Steelers uh, going forward. So we uh, talked about that, where the Steelers project to go from here, how excited they are about Najee Harris, their first round pick and everything else uh, in between. So let me go ahead and get out of the way here. Bring in our guest, Chris Carter from the uh, Locked On Steelers podcast to preview the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is the finale of the AFC North Opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud. So here we are, the fourth and final team of the AFC North, closing the book on them as we move through our opponent previews for 2021. And uh, defending AFC North champion, Pittsburgh Steelers are the last team that we're going to be previewing and here to help us preview these Steelers uh, from the Locked on Steelers podcast. Christopher Carter. Chris, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great, Larry. Thanks for having me on. This is, this is awesome. It's my pleasure. Um, so you're you're a new guest uh, to the show, and I like to ask my, my new friends all the same three questions to get started. Number one, where are you from? Number two, where are you now? And number three, your favorite moment as a fan of your beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, uh, first of all, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, grew up grew up on the on the East End in Homewood and went to Alderdice, home of Curtis Martin and uh, Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller. So got to come up in a, in, a, in a nice area of the city. Okay. Uh, went away for four years to Chain University. Came right back for law school at Pittsburgh. You know, oh, started nice. working in that field. And uh, when I was in, when I was working some unpaid internships, because that's the game of law school, right? Um, I, I needed to make some extra money, so I started blogging about the Steelers, and then blogging, you know, got a little bit bigger, and then I got picked up by a, like a legit credentialed website, DKPittsburghSports.com, and uh, years later, now I am a 
a credentialed writer on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Pitt football and Pitt basketball. Nice. Also hosting podcasts for them and the, the Locked On Steelers podcast. So I'm still in Pittsburgh. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I love it here. And I got to say, um, you know, these days I'm, I'm more of the objective guy that, you know, covers the team. So it's not about really about fandom these days, but I mean, growing up in Pittsburgh and if you're a football guy, which I was, right. you got to be, you, you got to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And the, <laughs> the moment that I never forget is James Harrison's interception return nice. uh, in the Super yeah. Bowl. And, and San Antonio Holmes was, was great too, but it was also the, just the dynamics of the interception. Like, you know, I, I was, I, Chain University is the first historically black college and university in the country. It's out near Philly. Okay. And so I'm watching this game in college and I'm surrounded by Eagles fans who just badly want the Steelers to lose, which is odd because it's like they don't, they rarely play each other, but Philly hates Pittsburgh. So that's, that's his thing. So I'm surrounded by this. So I call my dad on the phone and I'm like, yo, pops, like, you know, like this is crazy right now. They're about to score. You know, these guys are around me. This is just annoying. He's like, I know we're hanging in there, but I had, I had, we had all season long because, you know, my college, we had like an eight second lead on the feet. So we had been very good about whenever I saw something, I wouldn't respond if I was on the phone with my old man. Uh-huh. And that way he, he could sort of see it live and not like know what's about to happen. Sure. Um, and, but that play, I lost my mind. And I just, I just remember thinking like, oh crap, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm surrounded by all these fans. And, then when James Harrison catches the ball, I'm like, oh, oh, he's got the ball. He's still running. Get out of his way. Get out of his way. And, and my dad, who, like, you know, he's, he's watching the game, uh, you know, on, in Pittsburgh, and he's like, what are you talking about? They're in the huddle. They're at the two-yard line. Who could be running? And, and like, as James Harrison is scoring, I hear it go live on his end. He's like, oh, oh, get the ball. Uh, get Right. I turn around and every, every single Eagles fan who was tormenting me left the room. Like they 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 weren't even there. Like they it wasn't even like there was a sign that they just disappeared. And I was like, man, and and, uh, and then it all happened again for the San Antonio Holmes touchdown catch. Day. You know, yeah. that day was just uh, it was too cool experiencing it in another fan base's area. Uh, and also, but and then also I, I like more Steelers fans that were on campus joined around. So that was that was a really cool moment. I bet. Yeah. Um, you know, I can imagine, uh, I'm, uh, I'm kind of an underdog kind of guy. So I was pulling for the Cardinals that day, but like I could appreciate what was happening that James Harrison, I mean, what a dagger that was. Cause the Cardinals were going to yeah. score. They were going to take the lead going into halftime and then to have Harrison literally rip the heart right out of their chest, uh, you know, and go end to end with that interception. Uh, and of course you get the assist, the unintended assist from Antrell roll, on the sidelines because he got in, he got in Larry, Larry Fitzgerald's, Fitzgerald's way. way. Yeah. <laughs> stopped him from Wait. catching Harrison until it was too late. So, oh, you know, it was always funny when I saw like the, the, the wide field uh, shot of that and Antro roll mm-hmm. like an idiot standing on the sidelines, watching <laughs> James Harrison run down the field and boom, he gets knocked over by Larry Fitzgerald. Who's trying to catch him. Who's actually the only guy on the field who could catch him uh, at that point. Yep. And cause he did run him down finally. But like I said, it was, he finally caught him at like the four yard line. And by the time he dragged Harrison's big ass down, they were in the end zone. So it was too little <laughs> too late. Thanks to Antro roll. Yeah, and Larry Fitzgerald. And see, that's the that's the other thing about that game is that 
when he scored that touchdown oh. at the end that Elijah oh, was over, yeah. it, it was it was bittersweet for Pittsburgh because he is the, like, the favorite yeah. son. Yeah, he like like when you talk about Pitt like Pitt guys, it's Dan Marino, Ham, Curtis Martin, Tony Dorsett. Like he's in that that Mount Rushmore of Pitt football players. Sure. So when he scored it, it was just like mm, that sucks, but damn it, we love you, Larry. Like and uh, yeah, so like that was that was such a special Super Bowl for so many other for so many reasons for Pittsburghers. Um, but and then also for it to be the sixth winning Super Bowl and set the, set the, you know, do, do what nobody else had ever done at the time. Right. And still to this day, it, it is the most Super Bowls in the NFL. Um, it was, uh, that was certainly a special night. Yeah. Yeah. That, that moment uh, that you're talking about with Larry Fitzgerald, how, how it was bittersweet. I had a similar moment in 2001 when the Bears played the Eagles in the divisional round of the, of the playoffs and a high school classmate of mine was playing for the Eagles at the time. His name, he was a fullback named Cecil Martin. And um, we, we had no problem putting pressure on McNabb, could not catch him to save our lives. You know, he was only in like year three of his career, so he was still at the height of his powers as far as his pocket movement and everything. Right. He ran around in right. the pocket, dodged and dissed every bear defender that came his way, and after the dust had settled, he found a wide-open Cecil Martin in the end zone for a touchdown. Mm. So it was like, that, what a dagger, because we were this close to finally catching McNabb and, and taking him down, but it was my mm. homie from high school that caught a touchdown pass. So it was just like... <laughs> Oh, but yay, Cecil! I I guess you right. couldn't pick another time to do that, dude. Seriously, right here, right now. <laughs> so very bittersweet moment. I know exactly how that uh, how that feels. So, but uh, you know, the reason that I ask about where you're from and where you are is because as I started doing interviews, I started back in the 2015 season. I finally have mm-hmm. guests on the show. I've been doing the show since '07, and nice. um. It always turns out that you are the exception, not the rule, as far as the person that I'm speaking with, uh, the, the team that they represent, they don't live in the same market with their team. Mm-hmm. You know, like my, my, my Denver uh, gal is from South Carolina, my Pittsburgh, uh, the, the last guy from, or from Miami, excuse me, not in Pittsburgh, Miami was, he lived in Colorado. You know, my guy oh, wow. from the 49ers lives in Austin, Texas and stuff like that. It just seems like they're scattered about for a while there. My guy for the Buccaneers was in the Netherlands. That's who I was talking oh. to for the Buccaneers. Finally found a local guy in Florida. But for the first few times that we had the uh, we played the Bucks, I was talking to a guy from the Netherlands. Talk about trying to arrange a time to talk to that guy. Not easy with a, <laughs> right, with no, a seven-hour time difference and things like that. So <laughs> it was always interesting trying to get him on the horn. But uh, I appreciate you having having you on, and uh, let's go ahead and, and dive into your guys. Um, a very interesting, weird season that, the, that the, the Steelers have. They start 11-0, and 0, and, you know, they look like the class of the NFL. Then comes that loss to Washington. It was almost like they were exposed after that because the losses just piled up before they finally – you know, before the season just finally ended and they could grow, run into the postseason. No, yeah, that's definitely the vibe here in Pittsburgh. With this, this, that, like after that loss, it wasn't sure if that was going to start a, a you know a snowball that turns into an avalanche, right? Um, or if it, or if that was just a one time thing. And honestly, what it exposed was just how the Steelers were just so beat up and 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 left alone. Like they they had so few options left. Right. You know, this was a this was a team that went into the year basically saying, "Screw it, we're not going to be able to be a dominant running game." They didn't invest in their offensive line. 
They passed on J.K. Dobbins in the second round for Chase Claypool. They said, you know, we're just going to rock out with Benny Snell and James Conner, and that that's going to be our run game. And for the first six or seven weeks, that worked. Through seven games, you know, even before, like, they, they got to 10 and 11 and 0, they were, they were averaging 130 yards on the ground. They were running the ball. They were finding different ways to make it work. But eventually, teams realized, like, hey, this is not – James Conner, Betty Snell, they're not killers. They're not going to crush us. we got to take away the short passing game, and then that's going to start bobbing up the offense. And then late in the season, when, when push came to shove, teams were just sitting back waiting for Ben Roethlisberger's quick slants, his, his underneath drag routes that he was targeting. And the quick passing game that the Steelers basically opted to in, in a, you know, in, as a replacement of a run game that they couldn't depend on. Um, and that became really Ben Roethlisberger's downfall. Right. Because, you know, as, as it's okay to pass the ball short sometimes and to work that as a, as a serious part of your game, but it can't substitute a, a run game. And that's where, especially with Ben Roethlisberger, who is a gunslinger, is a tough SOB, right. is a big dude who still, he, he can, like, despite, despite what many people say, he can still get the deep ball down the field. And in fact, I always, I found at the end of the season when he was throwing the deep ball, that was when the offense was moving its best. Um, but when he, when he tries to get too cerebral, that's when most of his mistakes happen. And you saw that in that four interception game that he had against the Browns in the playoffs. Um, that's, that's sort of what, what happened in my eyes. And then on top of that is that the defense, which is the strength of the team, just lost too many things. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they lost, they lost Devin Bush in the middle of the season and they were able to mitigate that. But when you lose Devin Bush, the highest drafted player on the roster or by the Steelers since 2000, that 10th overall, no, they haven't had a guy that they drafted higher since Plaxico Burris in the 2000 draft at eight, eight overall. Right. Um, when, when you lose him, you find a way to survive, but then you lose Bud Dupree, who was on, on pace to have an, another double-digit sack season alongside T.J. Watt. And then, you know, eventually you lost Alex Highsmith, who was his replacement. So now you're down to, like, a fourth-string guy, an edge rusher next to T.J. Watt. Um, and then Joe Hayden went down with COVID. Uh, you know, so it was just thing after thing after thing just kept you whittled away at them and eventually they just they ran out of answers because they weren't as balanced uh they they they, they especially weren't as balanced they were the worst rushing offense in the NFL last year wow yeah not exactly something that's synonymous with Pittsburgh Steelers football no. being lousy in the run game uh that's right. that's not something that uh you know you see uh very much i mean much like the the bears it's it's running the football and and defense is the calling card for the for the Steelers and the fact that they, you yeah. know, have also low key had one of the best passing attacks with Bradshaw and Stallworth and Lynn Swan back in the day, all the way up to Roethlisberger and his litany of, of, of weapons and, and such. It's always been, they identify through the run, they identify through uh, defense. So for those to be failing you at the end of the year, that's not where you want that to be uh, taking place. And then when you go to the Cleveland game, um, Granted, like I said, I'm an underdog guy, so I was rooting for the Browns. They'd been, you know, mired in losses and and just, you know, mediocrity. I mean, and mediocrity is a generous word for what the Browns were, but you know, you know, I was like, I was pulling for them in that game. But it's like when you watch the game, that wild card game, you just have to. I mean, as a Steelers fan, if if I was a Steelers fan, I would just write that one off. It's like, dude, this was just not our night. For the, for the things to go wrong in the way that they did, as much as they did, as fast as they did, it's like, okay, this is going to be their night. Our season is over with. 
It's it's not yeah, so much that, was- that the Browns are that much better than us. It's just that, you know, they had our number tonight, and it just wasn't meant to be because, like, balls bouncing this, this, the snap going over Roethlisberger's head. It's like this is just not right. going to happen for us today. Right, and that was the thing is that, like, like the Steelers lost by 11 in a game where they handed the Browns five turnovers. They, like, it wasn't like Denzel Ward, you know, read Ben Roethlisberger's eyes and just, you know, studied this this route and just jumped it at the right time. No. Marquis Pouncey, the first game, first play of the game, snapped the ball over Ben's head. And I, I was talking to our guy, Jeff Lloyd, of the Locked On Browns podcast before the game. And I was like, the biggest thing here is, can the Steelers keep the Browns from getting a lead? If they keep the Browns from getting a lead, they win this game. Because the Browns do not play well from behind, especially against teams that have stouter defenses and get after the quarterback like the Pittsburgh Steelers, because then they can't run the short passing game. But the Steelers literally handed them a lead on the first play of the game without them having to even, having to even do anything. So. Yeah. That when that happened, I was like, "Oh, that's a wrap!" Like this, because now you're about to go to Nick Chubb and you're about to go to Kareem Hunt, and the Steelers had just gotten back one of their backup linebackers in Robert Spillane, and they couldn't effectively stop the run, especially with you know their their guys were hurt up. I think Vince Williams was recovering from COVID at the time; he had gotten it, but was you know not the same man. And Devin Bush not being there, and again with two of your edge rushers down, they were just extremely thin up front. And they just got picked picked at, and that's what allowed the Browns' offense to kind of keep the ball rolling whenever the Steelers kept making mistakes on, on their end. And and then even at the interceptions, I mean, like a bunch of those interceptions, wide-open guys, Ben just overthrows them. Um, and, and, you know, some of the talk that we've had in, in, in analyzing what happened with Ben Roethlisberger, also on top of all the short throws and all the things that he did, when you when we talked to him in minicamp, one thing he said that his doctor told him was that, hey, like, you you had a rough year because in rehabbing that elbow, he threw over a thousand passes before OTAs and minicamps even started last year. Mm. And so when going into that season, his arm got tired like a, around that week ten, week eleven time of the year, and that was what and that kind of led to him not being his best self. So sure. now he's had a regular year. And what he's doing, well, at least with the, way, the way he spoke to us at minicamp a couple weeks back, he feels a lot more confident about where his arm is. And, and just saying what I saw in the minicamp practice, he was he was launching the ball deeper down the field, um, looking comfortable. So it's going to be interesting to see where Ben is at 38 years old. I mean, even though you know he's up there, he's still not at where like where Drew Brees was last year, where he just he could barely hit a plant. Ben can still do that. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, can they manage how much he has to do that? Yeah, and, and can they protect him um, uh, yeah, as well? Story. That's uh, I mean, looking at the the free agent signings, you go out and you you, you steal Joe Haig from the, from the Buccaneers. Um, I don't know why you signed Rashad Coward. Um, I don't know <laughs> if that's going to work out for you guys because it's can't, – Camp body, man. Yeah. Can't body. <laughs> it sure as hell didn't work out for us. I was uh, thrilled beyond thrilled that he was no longer our problem. I mean, God bless the guy. He was a defensive tackle. He comes in. They switch him over to offensive line. And in 2019, he was actually pretty good. You know, but I don't know what it was about 2020. If it was that they were moving him, a, moving him around, or that they were playing him too much, or he wasn't, you know, ascending, you know, learning the position, or, or what have you, uh, could have just been that we had a brand new offensive line coach and it just didn't gel. But he was uh, the bane of my existence last year uh, for a while. So, uh, you know, good luck with with him. I, I hope it works out, but uh, don't be surprised if it doesn't on that one. Uh, and then B.J. Finney, you sign away from the, the Bengals, and those are the additions. You lose Villanueva. He's off to 
uh, Baltimore, and is it Matt Feeler goes to the Chargers? Matt, Matt Feiler, yeah. Feiler, excuse me. And then, of course, the big loss, Marquise Pouncey retires, and uh, so the, mm-hmm. the that's where B.J. Finney comes in, right? Right. Well, B.J. Finney is also a former Steeler. He was an undrafted guy they oh, had for like okay. four or five years. Right. So that's the thing about B.J. Finney is that they brought him back because after he – so he was Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro and Ramon Foster's replacement over like the four or five year span. They were all together. And he was always solid. Like I, I think, in fact, he started in like 13 games. And when he starts, they're 11-2. and two. Hmm. So, like, the, like, he was always good. Now, what happened to him was he his, his contract year was up. And the, and the Seahawks offered him more money than the Steelers were willing to pay. So he had to go out there. But then the pandemic hit. And then he was like, everything was locked down. He wasn't trying to put his, his health and his family at risk. And so he said, I kind of stayed inside for a bit. And I wasn't in football shape. And when he showed up to Seahawks, Seahawks training camp, um, you know, it took him a bit to get into, into football shape. And then he wasn't, you know, the best version of him himself. And then eventually they traded him to the Bengals. And when they traded him to the Bengals, like, they were like, yeah, you're kind of here, but you're just here as a replacement. And they never really used him. So then they let him go. And I was like, oh, well, we're not taking, taking you forward. And so the Steelers like, well, you know what, buddy? Come on back. And as long as you're in shape, you know, you can still be that depth guy. Now, the question is, can he be the starter? You know, they're expecting Kendrick Green to step into that role. And I can say they're very confident about him doing so this year with how, with how hard-nosed he is and, you know, him being a physical presence. Uh, that's really that. Now, as far as like Rashawn Coward, yeah, like he's he's a depth piece at best yes. right now. He's not he's not a guy that anyone's looking to the start. Um, losing Villanueva, honestly, was kind of what a lot of Pittsburghers were hoping would happen. He just he wasn't he wasn't a good run blocker anymore. He wasn't the best pass protector. He you know got called for holding penalties, and it was just kind of like okay, like it, Villanueva again. You know, undrafted guy, they, they, they took off the Eagles and converted him into a left tackle, and it was a great story for him to, to make that career here in Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, it, it, it was time. And they're, they're also they're excited about their two offensive tackles that they got right now, Takuma Core for moving to left tackle, his more preferred spot, and Zach Banner, um, who won the right tackle spot last year, but then suffered a, an injury that knocked him out in week one of the season last year. So mm. they want to they see what those two guys have. But, yeah, they – they weren't too active in free agency because they were more so concerned with keeping the guys they have on the roster. You know, they, they yeah. keep Juju Smith-Schuster um, when he was getting offers for more money to go to the Chiefs and the Ravens. They find a way to bring back Tyson Olulu to solidify their interior defensive line depth. You know, things like that to keep the keep the roster together for the most part, and, and also keeping Cameron Sutton, a, a, a cornerback who can play both slot and outside uh, for, for the team. That, that that was their priority this season, keeping as many of the important long-term pieces there. But you can't do that with everybody. Bud Dupree, you know, with, with his last two, three years in the NFL, somebody was going to pay him. And the Tennessee Titans did with, I think it was like a five-year, 70-some million dollar contract. The Steelers weren't going to afford that, especially in a pandemic year. And especially when, you know, T.J. Watt's contract, contract is coming up down the corner. Minka Fitzpatrick's contract is coming up around the corner. There's so many big guys they got to pay. They've got to strategize it. Now, they do have the second most amount of cap space next year with over $70 million. Uh, so they're, they're going to be big spenders and keeping those guys and maybe signing an, another couple guys to a big, long contract. But, um, but, yeah, this year was a very more modest, like, hey, let's just keep the core that we want together right now, and then we'll make our big move next year. Yeah, and uh, the Steelers uh, provided uh, me with some fodder uh, during the offseason when um, – they they re, they resigned or um, re uh, restructured 
uh, Roethlisberger's contract yeah. to get his cap mm-hmm. hit from forty one million down to nineteen, and yeah. uh, you know with this phantom five year contract that's really a one year deal where you know right. they're they're stretching out the cap hit over the next uh, several years. Uh, and everything and it's just like I've had an issue with that kind of stuff for a while especially since it was something that cost the Bears Kyle Fuller this offseason because we were moving money around for him to make his cap hit over 20 million dollars for this upcoming season when I think he was only scheduled to make like 11 or 12 and Roethlisberger was only supposed to make like 14 to 19 million somewhere in that area and had a cap hit of over 40 uh, million dollars because of the you know move this to here restructure that and uh, and right, all that kind right. of stuff it's like wondering why this hustle is even legal uh, in the NFL <laughs> but teams take advantage of it because it is and because of it the, they were able to shave 20 million off the cap when they made that move with Roslisberger. yeah that was just a void years move you know like for years and what the Steelers do is if they like you a lot they'll they'll make sure that you get your money yeah but it'll count against the cap until later in your career. And then they'll find ways to work around that. Like, Hey, we'll just make you dead cap space or we'll send you to an extension. And now with the new void year rules, you can really just sign a guy and kind of Bob, Bobby Bonilla. You know what? We're going to pay you a million dollars for the next 20 years. Um, Now, of course they they don't allow that in the NFL. It's just the, the union's not nearly as strong to work things like that. But this void year option does give the, the players chance to get their money while teams are finding ways to kind of stretch it out and make it more manageable for the salary cap situation. And because that's part of the, 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 the thing with the NFL, too, is you want to keep core guys around longer. That's, right. that's the whole thing here that owners are trying to make sure that they can keep the, their rosters in control and not have them flying all over the place. So, yeah, Ben, ben taking that deal. And he legitimately, even though this was, this was really a reworking, he did give up $5 million in, in, in overall money to give back to the Steelers to help them sign Juju Smith-Schuster, which he even admitted to us was something that he was advocating for and lobbying for in the background, both to Mike Tomlin and to Juju Smith-Schuster. Be like, hey, you know, I know the Chiefs are offering you more money. I know the Ravens are offering you more money. And I know that both of them have made it farther than the playoffs in the last three years than the Steelers. But this is still the place that you can that you can call home, and we would at least like to do another ride with you here. So, um, so yeah, Ben, Ben doing that. Um, really, and it really countered a lot of narratives because a lot of people think like, "Oh, Ben doesn't care about the team; he cares about himself." Um, and uh, you know, doing that, and uh, you know, the, him showing up for all the OTAs and all the mini camps, um, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's painting the picture like, "Hey, I'm treating this this, this season very seriously." And uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is a team first organization. He's doing all the right things right now. So, where do you think they go from here? Is this is this Ben's last ride? Is are they going to push it out, or is it all hinge on how the season goes? It mainly hinges how the, how the season goes. Like, in general, a lot of people feel like, oh, this is definitely Ben's last year. But we don't know where his elbow is at. If yeah. his arm is strong enough here. And this is the other thing here. The real big story of the season, Larry, is Najee Harris. Yeah. Him coming into Pittsburgh, if he stabilizes the offense, if he runs the ball consistently, Ben doesn't have to throw the ball nearly as many times. Games will be shortened because the clock will be running. The, to the chains will be moving more without Ben having to do things. Then the play actually become a real threat again for the team. Now is Ben, instead of averaging like 45 to 50 throws a game, if he averages 30 to 40 passes a game, that puts him in a place like, you know what? I could stick around another year after this because I'm, you know, I'm not having to do all the work and tie, and tire my arm out every year. But still, 38 years old, 
you know, people got to understand, like, you know, you know, whether, you know, I don't know how, you, how old you are, Larry, but when you start to get older, it's harder to get up every morning. It's harder to do all the things yeah. you need to do as an athlete and prepare and train every day and diet and do all the right things. Um, and, and that's where he's got to be looking at. It's like, you know what? I am a hundred over millionaire. I am a going to go to the Hall of Fame. I have all these things locked up. How much do I really want to put myself through before I start moving on to the next part of my life where I just raise my kids, hang out with my wife, and, you know, do the fun things that I want to do in life without having to worry about football? That's, that's where he's at. But if he has a good year and the Steelers have a balanced offense and a strong and the defense remains strong, I could see him coming back. Now, for the Steelers, they put themselves in a position where they're kind of ready for anything. Like I said, next year, they have a ton of cap space. Mm-hmm. We saw how all these quarterbacks moved around this year. They're ready for, like, if that becomes, if, if they have to get in the quarterback market, they'll have the money to take a stab at someone. Now, you know, maybe not Aaron Rodgers or something like that, but, you know, if a decent quarterback comes around, like, like how Matt Stafford was, was being, they can be like, you know what? We can trade a couple picks for that guy. We can make a, a couple moves over here. Someone that would just come in and you don't have to be Patrick Mahomes, but if you're just, if you're a good quarterback that can play above the line, you know, kind of the way Ryan Tannehill does for the Titans. Yeah. It's like, look, we, we got a young running back. We got a we got a strong defense that's built around all these key players that are young and in their prime. Just come in here and don't suck. <laughs> you know, and so um I, I can totally see that happening. Um they want to see what they have in Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins duking it out in camp this year. Um I, I, I'm not too high on either of them like really solidifying any future plans this season, but right. um they they put themselves like, hey, you know what? We got money next year. Ben could stick around. We got two young quarterbacks with big arms. That's, they, they've got options, and that's kind of where they just want to be, is that whatever happens, to have plans to go with the, with the team that they have. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how Haskins works out, because I, I liked him coming out of Ohio State. I didn't – I mean, the only reason that Washington was a good thing for him because it was home, you know, for him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, going back home, that's always a nice story, but – Jay Gruden didn't want him. That was a management call or an upper, like an ownership right. thing. They wanted him. So that was basically never going to work out. And I mean, it didn't, it just, you know, explode last year when Rivera took over and he's not shy about it, Like, this is not my guy uh, kind of thing. I'd mm-hmm. rather come out with, you know, one and a half legs of Alex Smith over Dwayne Haskins and, uh, and everything. <laughs> so that was a problem all along. So I'm interested to see how it's going to be for him. You know, there's no pressure anymore he's you know backing up Roethlisberger who's going to play you know even if you have to carry him out there on crutches Roethlisberger is going to play for you and and everything so there's no pressure even if he does come in they're not expecting the world from him he's the backup it's temporary uh and and see how that may help him like settle down and maybe learn the game at the NFL speed and and you know kind of go from there so I'm interested to see how how Haskins is going to uh, work out for you guys but as we move on to the draft, you mentioned Najee Harris. He was sitting there at 24 uh, for you guys. You go ahead and take him, the running back out of uh, Alabama. You get, uh, is it Fryermuth, uh, uh, the tight end from Friar Penn Muth. State? Fryermuth, all right, yeah. uh, from Penn State. In the second round, uh, Kendrick Green, a, a local guy for us here in Illinois, uh, a guard from uh, from the U of I. And, uh, you know, that's day one and two. I mean, I, we, we, we talked about Najee. What are we looking for? From Fryermuth and, and Green here. So Fryermuth, of course, was it was a huge offensive weapon for the Nittany Lions. He, mm-hmm. he was really the focus of their offense for a bit. He brings that receiving ability. He's really smooth, and that's how Eric Ebron described him was a silky smooth playmaker uh, that, that they're getting used to. They're going to want him to be more of a blocker than Ebron is, of course. Ebron, you know, more known for just being an athletic guy that can get down the field and you know 
drop the ball sometimes, but when he catches the ball, he, he really does flash brilliance at times. Yeah. Um, you know, just inconsistency is, is his, uh, is his calling card, but they want Friar Moose to be more consistent. There's hope that he can be. Um, so far he seems to be taking on the process well, as far as, you know, what they expect of him. Um, and then, uh, Kendrick Green, the, the, the guy that they're, they're hoping to be a center, he was only temporarily a center at Illinois. He was more of a guard there. But when he played center, he had the part of a physical guy. He can pull and hit in space. When he locked onto a guy for a run play, he moved them. And he got out. He, he got guys out of the hole. That's something that Marquise Pouncey really wasn't doing anymore. Pouncey was, uh, in the past, like, two, three seasons, Pouncey was more guys like, hey, you know the entire offense. You've been here for a decade. Just call things out. Make sure everyone else is on the same page. And don't be a liability. And that's kind of where he was for a few years. But that last year, I mean, he just he couldn't pull and block in space, which not all centers can do, but that was his calling card for most of his career. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't have the knees to do that anymore. And he, just, he, he suffered a lot of injuries. It took a lot of bounce back for him to get back a few times. And I think it just wore him down. And then with his knees, sometimes that gives up kind of position, and that leads to more bad snaps. And that, that snap over Ben's head with, in the playoff game, that wasn't the only one that happened that year. And, in fact, even the year before with Mason Rudolph against the Rams, first play in that game, he stacked the ball over Mason's head, and it led to a touchdown for the Rams. That They were able to bounce back and win that one. Um, but, you know, that's it became a, a, a serious problem. And so now he was a liability. So Kendrick Green coming in here, he's going to be a guy that they want to say, hey, you're going to be physical. And something that is going to be different about the Steelers this year is how they block. Last year they had Sean Starrett the last two years as an offensive line coach. He took over for the – Legendary Mike Munchak, uh, who was uh, he's a Hall of Fame, five famer himself, and oh, yeah. he was he he kind of revitalized the Steelers' offensive line in the mid 2010s. Um, but then he he moved on, uh, and then uh, Sean Serrett kind of took over. But Serrett's philosophy of blocking was, hey, we're just going to protect fans. That is the goal here. And uh, the Steelers even kind of revealed it over minicamp was that what they were being taught was, hey, fire off the ball, but seal guys. Don't bowl them over. Don't follow through on your blocks. Just get one, two, and then just try to you know hold hold your position, and we'll see where we go with things. And that just didn't work for yeah. what the Steelers were trying to do. That just that wasn't the philosophy. It, 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 that, that's why their running game, on top of having James Conner and Benny Snell, no Conner, decent running back, no one that's going to change the game for you, but he can take what's there. But when you have an offensive line playing that kind of philosophy, that's not what's going to get a you know, a young kind of you know role playing running back to, to, to make the plays now. Adrian Clem, the new Steelers offensive line coach. I mean, we've been told by the players that he tells them every day, run through his face. That is what that is the philosophy that they're going for with the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. So that's more of the old school uh, ideology. And that's what Kendrick Green does. That's what Dan Moore Jr., the guy that they drafted in the fourth round of the Texas A&M, um, that's what he does. But that's also what David DeCastro has been used to. Now, he hasn't played in – he didn't practice in minicamp and OTAs because uh, he was kind of in c- civilian uniform, so we're – we're going to see if he's going to be ready for training camp. But that's what Kevin Dotson does, who's a really young upstart guy. He, he was a fourth-round pick from last year. He really played really well uh, over this past year in his rookie season, and people are looking for him to take the next step. The Steelers could have, a, again, a, a young physical offensive line if a few of these guys just work out for them and they gel together. And if they're that kind of physical and Kendra Green does take the, the helmet at center, it could be a perfect mix for what Najee Harris does out of the backfield. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a interesting uh, prospect of what could happen uh, there. 
you know, when, when you were describing what, what the old coach, uh, what his instructions were, it, it almost sounds lazy uh, to me. You know, like just uh, just kind of get in his way for a second or two, and we'll work from it. We'll work with it from there and see how it see how it goes. It's like, do you do you know how to play offensive line? Because that's not really how how it works. Well, you know, it just sounds lazy. Also, to me. I, I, Go ahead. Well, so here's the thing. It, it, part of it, I think, was they just prioritized pass blocking. So, like they were passive more so. And okay. I wouldn't say lazy because you they still wanted you to get off the ball quickly, but not trying to overexert yourself because also the thing was you had to realize the Steelers offensive line in uh, 2019 when he took over, it was one of the oldest in the NFL. There's, there aren't too many offensive lines where you have the same starters for basically four or five years. And that's what the Steelers had for a bit. Um, you know, you had Marquise Pouncey, Ramon Foster, who retired after 2019. You had Alejandro Villanueva for like five or six years. Uh, you had David DiCastro, who's still there. Uh, for a while they had Marcus Gilbert and Matt Fowler filled in. Right tackle's probably been the one spark spot where they've been uh they've been kind of rotational but that group was all older and I think that was their way of saying hey not don't just protect Ben but protect yourself because when you start to play more physical and the older guys do that's when a lot more of your injuries happen so I I, you know I'm not making excuses for them sure I do think that was where their philosophy was going but again that's why like all right Marquis you got to retire you cost too much you're 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 up there in age your knees aren't the same this is the direction the offense is going I do think that's why you're going to see a, a different philosophy in how the Steelers operate as an offensive line. It's going to be interesting to see how they adapt to it. Yeah, so you mentioned Dan Moore in, in the fourth round. This is your first of your day three picks. Buddy Johnson, another inside linebacker from also from Texas A&M. You got Isaiah Loudermilk yeah. from Wisconsin, a defensive tackle. So your first six picks, it's SEC Big Ten uh, across the board. And then finally in the sixth round, you go off script. Quincy Roach from uh, from uh, Miami, a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Trey Norwood, a corner out of Oklahoma, and then a punter coming off the board. Yeah. Presley Harvin the uh, third yeah. from Georgia Tech. That's quite a name uh, that guy's got. He sounds like one of uh, Key and Peele's all stars uh, on that one. Presley Harvin the <laughs> third uh, from Georgia Tech, a punter. So go ahead. Funny enough, funny enough too about Presley Harvin the third. He's the first ever black punter to win the Ray Guy Award for best punter in college oh, football. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, can, and I can tell you, as a guy who covered Pitt football last year and watching them play Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech's team was very bad. And Pitt, would be, Pitt defense, which was, you know, one of the, you know, they, they also really got after the quarterback, the three guys that went in the NFL draft just on their defensive line. Um, when they were getting after, they'd sack Georgia Tech twice, get a tackle for loss, and they'd be pinned inside the five. And then Presley Harvin would step on the field, and he would just – Boom! And the ball flies in the air with a ton of hang time, and then Pitt couldn't do anything. And then they went from Georgia Tech having the ball on their own five to Pitt have, having to start the next drive on their own thirty. And, and that's the kind of stuff that he would do for Georgia Tech, and that was those were really into him. But then also Danny Smith, the special teams coach for the Steelers, said when he went to Presley Harvin's pro day, it was pouring down rain. He said, and normally when you pour down, you want the best conditions for your pro day. You want everything to be nice and crisp and move inside, do something, just show these guys what I can do. Mm-hmm. And he said, Pres- Presley Harvin III was like, nah, we're going to do this in the rain. And he said he did it in the rain and still boomed those punts. And that's what made him say, look, we just got to get this guy some way, somehow on the team. And that was – they had two seventh-round picks, and they used one on him. Um, and he looked interesting in these, in, these, in these practices, man. I've seen him boom a couple. Uh, he gets ridiculous hang time. And he's honestly – they still have Jordan Berry, their punter for the past few years who hasn't really felt pressure and he's had some really bad moments here and there. 
But uh, Jordan Barry, he showed up in these practice. I think he feels like, oh, crap, young guys in here. We got we to gotta show up. So now that's going to be an interesting training camp battle, who, who wins out there. Um, but Presley Harvin, definitely exciting there. Of those other guys you mentioned, uh, Buddy Johnson, a run stuffer from Texas A&M, a big guy who I think in the long term they're hoping can just be the guy that pairs next to Devin Bush because he's the smaller, faster variety. Buddy Johnson, more of the bigger, let me get my face in the mix and – uh, and, and plug and plug up a blocker type of variety. So they're hoping he can develop that, but he's going to have to figure out special teams. Isaiah Loudermilk, you know, big guy. You know, he's I mean, he's ridiculously huge. He's like six six, I think, and like three hundred pounds. And he's you know a decent athlete, but just still kind of awkward. He's got he's got to fit, finish his movements and get used to things. But that's why they took a stab on him. Quincy Roche, and honestly, a guy that they didn't expect to be there. You know, when I got when I talked to a lot of draft experts because. The Steelers did need a third edge rusher on their roster because Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watts, just, they need backup behind those guys. And Roche was a guy that a lot of experts were saying was going to go in the third round, fourth round at the latest. And when they saw him in the sixth round, they're like, we'll take that guy. Um, and uh, he, he's a tech – I see him being a technician at times with the different pass rush moves he has. He came from Temple, transferred to Miami, and uh, had a decent year in, in the last year. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Trey Norwood. Um, along with Shakur Brown, an undrafted free agent they signed out of Michigan State this year. Um, both of them were tied for the third most interceptions in college football last year with five. So they're hoping that some of those guys step in and can help in the secondary where they lost Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton, and they're going to be looking for some guys to step up. Yeah, and as far as uh, Presley Harvin, you know, when you draft a guy, um, you spend the draft pick, especially on a, on a specialist like a punter, He's not just right. a camp leg. You're not bringing him in no. just to just to give the other guy a, you know, a little kick in the ass or a anything push. like that. You're you're he's right. being pushed for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's going to be like you said, it's going to be a camp battle and somebody's going to lose their job. So um mm-hmm. yeah, the 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 incumbent it's you know, definitely the the right mindset for him to come in and and take this seriously and and treat it cuz like they said, you know, maybe if they brought him in as an undrafted rookie free agent, then yeah, maybe it's not as big a deal. But they use a draft pick on him. They went out and got him. Uh, you know, granted with like five picks left in the draft, but they spent draft capital on him. <laughs> that means they're they're interested in in some way, especially with with punters and and kickers and stuff. You know, this guy's going to be expected to do something other than just be you know a camp leg to push the the veteran. I agree. So let's look at the the schedule or as, as we uh, start to wrap up here, Chris. Um, you know, we, of course, the Steelers are the Steelers, so they're going to have all their national TV games. You got five of them scheduled right now, most of them in the back half uh, of the season. But you start on the road at Buffalo. That should be an interesting game right off the right off the bat. You come home for the Raiders and the Bengals, so your first AFC North uh, matchup week number three at Green Bay, home for Denver, and then your first national TV spot at home, versus the Seahawks before a week seven bye, one of the earlier ones with this new 18-week schedule uh, and everything. So out of that first uh, six, six games, you know, what, what are you looking at there? Well, I mean, the Bills have had the Steelers number the last two seasons. Now, granted, last year, you know, you caught, you caught them on the, bad, the back end of Ben Roethlisberger's decline, and the year before you played Devlin Hodges, an undrafted rookie fourth-string quarterback that they were relying upon because – you know, Ben Roethlisberger had his season-ending surgery. Right. Uh, Mason Rudolph was clocked over the head by Miles Garrett with a helmet. Right. And uh, <laughs> uh, and that was after Earl Thomas decapitated Mason Rudolph by taking it by, by hitting him straight under the chin and knocking him out in the middle of the game. But Mason Rudolph just had a rough 2019, man. It's, you know, even yeah. though 
even though like you know people people still are kind of down on him at Pittsburgh, I'm like, man, the hits that he took like, that that year, uh, and, and often like, illegal hits, like like you know things that not, that weren't really part of the game. You know, Earl Thomas, you know, part of the game, but still a little too aggressive. But still, he went through a lot. But um, and then the, them trading away Josh Dobbs before any of the injuries happened just didn't work out in their favor. And then you know Ben went down, then Mason went down. Now you got Devlin Hodges. So uh, the Steelers have competed with the Bills in those games, but they haven't played nearly their best football. Like, you know, like they both games, there's been guys wide open that, you know, Ben just kind of missed or Hodges kind of missed in those situations. And the thing was about him, like earlier in the season, he was seeing those guys. He was picking apart defense and spreading the ball around. It wasn't just, hey, it's Tony Brown, where are you? I'm getting the ball to you, man. Just, just I don't care. There's three guys there. We're throwing it to you. You know, he's not, he doesn't do that anymore because he doesn't have that guy, but he does. That, that's kind of where they fell into. So how they play Josh Allen and those Bills, that's going to be very interesting early in the season with a young offensive line, and you're going to go up against a defensive front that has Ed Oliver and Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. That's going to be an interesting mix. Um, the Packers, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny. They have the Packers and the Broncos. So wherever Aaron Rodgers goes between those two teams, um, <laughs> That it's kind of right. like, well, they're stuck. They're, they're going to be playing Aaron Rodgers. But, of course, you'd much prefer it to happen with the Broncos, who are really in a in, – in, it seems like they're in the middle of a long rebuild right now. They don't know where they're going. Um, but the Packers, you still got all those weapons on the team. So, um, certainly got to watch out for them. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, a tough team that always gives the Steelers a hard time. It's funny, for a long time, they owned the Seahawks, um, you know, as far as – but then Russell Wilson came and – the last two times they've played, the, the Seahawks have eked out really close wins. So mm. that's going to be interesting. Um, and then, you know, you got, you got your Joe Burrow that you're expecting to play. Right. Um, but I, I'm really interested. It's funny. You say, you know, five primetime games, that being a lot. Like, a lot of people were expecting the Steelers to have, like, ten because they play the Chiefs. They play the Packers. They play the Titans. You know, they're playing – they got all these superstar teams that they're, that they're lining up against this year that, that you know, did really well last year. They have the the, the strength, the toughest strength of schedule going into the season. So a lot of people are like, man, like the Steelers, they're going to go five and twelve. They're going to fall apart. And I'm just like, I don't know about all that, but it is going to be an interesting year with all the tough games that they had. Yeah, I mean, after after the bye week, week seven, you're you're on the road at Cleveland, which is mm-hmm. uh, tougher out than it used to be now. Um, then you mm-hmm. then you go to Chicago for Monday night, your second national TV game, home for the. Lions, then at the Chargers, that's on Sunday night. At Cincinnati, home for the Ravens. At the Vikings, quick turnaround, Thursday night football. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. the Titans and Chiefs back-to-back. And I guess CBS just got greedy because those are both Sunday games. Um, And then closing out Monday night against the Browns and at the Ravens to to finish up. So those last four games especially. uh, Home for Tennessee, at Kansas City, home for the Browns, at the Ravens. You know, if it's coming down to playoff spots, that's a hell of a gauntlet to have to run through to get there. It, it certainly is. Um, and, and the Steelers have faded in the last two seasons, uh, really, in the last year. Because even, even when they had Devlin Hodges, they were at one point, I, I believe they were 8-5 and five before they lost their last three straight. But also, that was, that was uh, you know, a lot of people felt like, yeah, that's just going to come around to bite them. And eventually it did, like teams just realized, hey, we're just going to play Devin Hodges this way, and we just need to not let this this defense create all the turnovers it does um, and uh, protect the football. And eventually, that that quarterback will uh, help us, you know, help us win the game. Um, but 2020, you know, with Ben's, with Ben's decline and then all the injuries that happened and not having a run game, 
that really led to a lot of those problems. So now the question is, is, is this just a point? Is this just who the Steelers are right now uh, until they transition out, you know, into a new era where they fall apart late in the season? You know, it's, it's become, it's, you know, you know, once is, once is happenstance, twice is maybe circumstance, three times you start to think like maybe that's trending. So uh, that could be, that could be a factor. We'll see if it, if it is, but certainly, like you said, a lot of those games, this big, big teams. And again, we don't know who these teams are. You know, a lot of times right. people assume like, oh, this, the, like, the, like the Jaguars after the year that they went to the AFC Championship game. Everyone thought, oh, that's going to be a tough game. They fell apart, and now they're, they're the first overall pick of the NFL draft. So, yeah. you know, I don't put too much stock in strength of schedule, but I am interested to see how this Steelers team does against some of those squads because Najee Harris, I'm telling you, man, everything about this guy is that he is the truth. He catches one-handed passes in coverage. Um, he's confident about himself. He gives back to the community. Like he, when he was, when he got drafted, his draft party wasn't in Cleveland at the NFL draft. It wasn't at some hotel where he was partying with his friends. He had it at the homeless shelter that he grew up in, and he yeah. used it as a fundraiser yeah. for as a charity for, for for that organization. So like, that's who this guy is. When ever since he's been in Pittsburgh, he's been a class act so far. So um, they're really excited to see what he does because also they're saying like they have to like kick him out of the facility because they're like no. It's time to go home. Your coach yeah, I read that. See their families. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he's that's going to be interesting to see. How does the does a, does a strong can they get a strong running game? And when they get that strong running game, can it counter the passing offenses like Patrick Mahomes, like Aaron Rodgers? Uh, you know, you know, can, can it can it keep the, the Titans' offense off the field? And then can, can it help also give the defense more rest against teams that, you know, have threats in their own division, like the Ravens with Lamar, Lamar Jackson, like the Browns with Nick Chubb. There's going to be a lot of questions there, um, how, how they end. Uh, but it's certainly going to be, I, I think it's going to be a very fun season in the AFC North. I agree. And and it's like, I, I look forward to, to how it all turns out. That's what makes the, makes the NFL season so exciting. It's like, it's, it's difficult as we, as we, you know, look at 2021, not to look through it through a 2020 lens. Like, well, you know, the Titans were badass last year. So of course they're going to be again this year. And then one key injury here, you know, one loss there, a free agent signing that, you know, that they lost kind of thing. And it's just like, all of a sudden they are not the team that they were before. And you see it happen all the time. You mentioned the, the Jaguars going after 2017 where they were one half away from beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl. And then it was like the same thing, you know, even with me, with the Bears in 2018. We thought in 2019 we were going to just take over the world. I mean, 2018 was an absolute shock as far as how it all went, as well as it went year one with Nagy, the progress we saw with Trubisky, and then none of it happened in 2019. We were lucky to be 8-8 and uh, in 2019. So it's like w- looking at it from through the lens of last season, we don't really have a choice but to do that. But at the same time, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody if nothing goes the way that it did last year, because it's a brand new season, you know, new coaches, free agents, guys coming in, it, it all changes. And like you said, Najee Harris, this could be a guy that he could be a game changer for the Steelers. If he can stabilize that running game, that will uh, be the steam that drives the engine into uh, another, another direction. And something to remember here, Larry, is, and I did this research before, and I, I, looked, I was looking it up. When the Steelers, they had the worst rushing yards per game and the worst rushing yards per carry. Mm. I looked up over the past 11 seasons. To go 12-4 and four with that, that's an anomaly. 
Yeah. You know, there were a couple teams that had a couple winning seasons, but most of those teams, 3-13, and 5-11, and 11, you know, just horrible, horrible, horrible. The only exception was really the 2011 uh, Giants who went on to win the Super Bowl. But even then, they finished the season 9-7. and seven. They weren't a consistent team. Right. They just got hot in the playoffs with their defense and Eli Manning just doing the weird things that Eli Manning does, <laughs> right. uh, you know, where, where he's, he's like, ah, I'm okay during, during the season, but playoffs is Tom Brady's in the way. I'm going to be a yeah, uh, that's just what he that's just what he does. But like for by and large, you aren't supposed to go twelve and four when you have the worst rushing game. You aren't supposed to be competing and winning your division uh you know, you know, that way when you have the worst rushing offense in the league. And with Najee Harris uh, on the Steelers roster, I really think that this team is in a position to really balance it. Even if they're just like sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth in rushing, they got the same wide receivers. Ben's gonna be they got a new offensive coordinator who's gonna be using a lot more of the concepts that worked early in the season before Randy Seekner, the previous offensive coordinator, kind of changed the offense uh, where it kind of fell apart late in the season. There's going to be some uh, some really interesting aspects to the Steelers' offense. And if the defense can can stay healthy, if T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush, Joe Hayden, Cam Hayward, and Stephon Tewitt, those are all kind of like the X-factor guys they have on the defense. If those guys stay healthy and they don't like run – you know, four guys deep into a certain position, like Alex Highsmith goes down and then his backup and then his backup, kind of how it has gone for the Steelers over the past few years. They're going to be in a position where I think they're going to be one of the toughest outs in the NFL. And that that that, that toughest, uh, toughest uh, strength of schedule thing won't matter as much if they can get that. But, you know, there's a lot of ifs there. You know, you got to see if if Najee Harris clicks with this new offensive line because it really is a new offensive line. Yeah. you got to see – can a slot corner emerge because they're they're gonna bump Cam Sutton outside? I, I'm I'm confident in Cam Sutton. I've covered him for years, and I think that he's got he's got the he's got the moxie to play out there. Um, but you know who fills in for Mike Hilton? Who they lost in free agency? Can a third and fourth edge rusher develop behind Highsmith and Watt because they're confident behind those guys? And uh, you know, and again, if they can stay healthy, who can you know who can help Devin Bush the most at inside linebacker? Right now, it looks like Robert Spillane's their guy. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of questions there, and that and that, that, that that's what I'm saying. It's not it's not the Steelers. I don't, I don't think the Steelers are just going to roll in and just dominate next year. But you know, the Mike Cannonballs of the world who say, "Oh, they're five and 12, Ben Roethlisberger's the worst quarterback in the league. I'm just like, hold hold your horse. Because that, that even <laughs> happened last. That that like like Larry, we we do these ultimate crossovers in the Locked On Podcast Network. Sure, where I yeah. sat down with with with, uh, with Kevin from Locked On Browns, um, Jake and James from Locked On Bengals, and um, uh, Jeff from Locked On Browns, uh, Locked On Browns, and Kevin from Locked On Ravens. Excuse yeah. me. Um, but we we sat down and we all like did our predictions how last year would go before the season went, and uh, all of them had the Steelers bought basement five and eleven trash four and twelve won't won't make the playoffs will fall apart and just you know be nothing Ben retire and it's going to be sadness for the next decade. <laughs> and you know then they go they go twelve and four and then they, when they lose in the playoffs they go see we told them they weren't that good I'm like no 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 no. You said they weren't going to even compete for the playoffs. And here they are hosting a playoff game. And, and my whole thing when I said, I said, hey, I'm not sure if they'll win the division, but I know they'll get double-digit wins. I know by the end of the season, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot and they're probably competing for the division. And lo and behold, they won it. So this year, with what I, what I believe will be a much more balanced offense with that run game and actually having a premier running back in the backfield, uh, again, he also has to stay healthy. Um, but – I can't. I can't see this team doing worse than nine and eight. Like I, I really, I really see this team as you know. I, I think their ceiling would be a thirteen and I hate the new seventeen 
yeah. win numbers thing. Uh, Thirteen and four. Right. I think that's their ceiling. If they get hot, they can get there. But my realistic prediction for them is eleven and six. I, you know, I think that because the AFC North is going to be so competitive, yeah. I think they split with the Browns, split with the Ravens. I think they'll sweep the Bengals, um, and then uh, and and then those teams. A lot of those teams, they they also got to play a lot of the teams that the Steelers are going are going to play. So. Um, I, I'm I have them in the same spot as last year, Compe- you know, pushing late in the season, competing with the other AFC North teams to see who's going to win, and uh, is really going to come down to who's the healthiest late in the season. Well, I'm very interested to find out how it's going to turn out, and we'll talk about this more when we have you back uh, to preview uh, Week Nine when the Bears and the the Steelers uh, meet up for Monday Night Football before the Bears have their Week Ten bye. So it'll be an important game. Uh, it might be the last start for Andy Dalton before Justin Fields takes over after the bye, or you know who knows what's going to happen uh, there. Matt Nagy, with his comments, is is adamant about Dalton being the starter. He's QB one. Justin Fields is going to learn, but also kind of talking out of the other side of his mouth. You know, what, we're not going to leave him on the bench just to leave him on the bench. We'll see what happens. Trust the process. Blah blah blah. So who the <laughs> hell knows what's going to happen? He's right. he's leaving it open for it to go either way. You know, like best case scenario, Justin Fields is Pat Mahomes this year. He sits and learns for a year, takes over the team in 2022, and and we're off to, you know, happiness and richness and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but also don't be surprised if Justin Fields is starting week nine uh, against the Steelers. Um, but two other – uh, I'd love to see that. So would I. I would, actually. This, yeah, like yeah. talking. I just, I just – Yeah. I'm such a fan of Justin Fields as a player. I, yeah. I, you know, and that's, that's, one, that's one aspect. I'm an analyst. I do this to break this down, but I still – I root for people sure. and Justin Fields, like the hits that he took at Ohio state and he just kept getting back up for him. He just looked like such a real leader. He has the arm to play in the NFL. He has the mobility to be a threat. Um, and the leadership that to me is what spoke yeah. out to him. Like, yeah. like, like when he was, when he was falling down the draft boards, I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Like whoever gets him is gonna, is gonna be in a really good spot. And I, I really think Chicago, you guys got a steal in where you got him. I do. So, uh, uh, I, that, that's what that's what I think. I I, I want to see him play against the Steelers because I want to see this kid play more. I want yeah. I want to see him get get into the NFL and show people, hey, you messed up by passing up on. Him. Yeah, he does kind of have that chip on his shoulder. He's he's happy to be in Chicago. Not thrilled that he was number eleven off the board. Not thrilled that he was quarterback number four uh, taken yeah. uh, in the first round, you know, because at the beginning of the offseason, he was the number two pick going to the Jets after Trevor Lawrence. And somehow right. throughout the offseason, like I saw a mock draft, and I've mentioned this a few times uh, on the show, I saw mock drafts where they had Justin Fields going 32 to the Buccaneers. I was like, there's yeah, no way in hell that happens yeah. if the, it, if the if bears stand pat the Steelers, they would have picked him yeah if yeah. the bears stand pat and he's still there at 20 20 that the, the yeah. bears aren't dancing in the streets over that there's no way mm-hmm. they sit there at 20 and Justin Fields falls in their lap and they don't take him no freaking way so you know it's like i don't know what happened with his stock if that seizure thing is what kind of you know had him falling down the board uh, or whatever but he's been at as advertised so far, the leadership, he's already telling receivers like, oh, you're, you know, supposed to be standing here, run this route. So you cut it off there. You know, he's, he's a smart kid. He knows the offense or he's, you know, he's got a good grasp of it at the very least if he's out there telling everybody what they need to do. Uh, so I, I too am really looking forward to it and talking to, talking to you and all of the other, you know, representatives of each team that I've spoken to thus far has kind of killed my whole vibe as far as let him sit. Let them learn. 
You know, we don't want to put him out there too soon. It's like talking to everybody else and hearing your enthusiasm is to see Justin Fields. Yeah. It's like, I'm on that. Like, yeah, throw him out there. Screw Andy Dalton. You know, it's like, I, th- <laughs> I think we'll be fine with Andy Dalton. I like Andy Dalton. I think he's a good, he's a good quarterback. He's had a good long career so far uh, in the NFL. I like, no, no, no hate for Andy Dalton, but it's just like, now it's like the hell with it. Throw the kid out there, man. Let's see what he can do. You know, the, why wait? Why wait? He can learn and play, you know, it's just like, it just killed my whole you know trying to be you know cooler heads prevailed want to be smart about this put him out there at the right time like nah the hell with it just throw throw out the process put the kid out there let's see how it goes week one against the rams let's do it you know so Uh, the steelers and bears play on monday night football right yes yeah. You need to go look up what Andy Dalton's prime time record is (laughs) I know it can't be good if you're mentioning that yeah it's it, like like that was the thing like Andy Dalton there'd be years he's a good game manager he's a good I can take what's their type of guy but he's not the killer for you right. and when the light turned on it just it was and sometimes it wasn't even his fault it was just bad it, it was just like a bad penny just falling him everywhere like a dark cloud hung over him sure and just bad things would happen of course the dark cloud was also might have just been the Bengals organization true they, they are <laughs> that um yeah. but uh, but but like as a guy who watched him for years as being an opponent to Pittsburgh, even in the year like there was the one year where they they won the division and they hosted the Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. You know he got hurt and then he and then they, the Steelers found the way to win in the most wackiest situation. Yeah, Ryan I remember Shazier that game. Yeah. Ripping, like all that kind of stuff. But even even when he did play, I mean they 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 they'd have things lined up and things would just go poorly for them and fall apart. It's just it, you know I would not be on the Andy Dalton starting on Monday Night Football train. I, I'm I'd certainly be on if I was you guys. Get Justin Fields out there unless you feel like you can't protect him. Like I I I haven't studied the Bears offensive line you know enough to see where where they're at. If you feel like he needs that like you need to get better protection before you risk you know an injury that could ail his entire career. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you know I mean you still got Allen Robinson out there. I really like him as a wide receiver. Um. You know, you still got talent, you know, there, and you still got a defense that can get after the quarterback on the other side to get you more opportunities. Uh, if, if Justin Fields knows the offense, you feel like you can protect him, put him out there. Let him see what he can do. Andy Dalton, at this point in his career, is a career backup. Yeah. So, like I said, just just ruining my whole let's be smart about this, <laughs> you know, cooler heads prevail. Like, nah, nah, the hell with it. Put him out there. Let's see what he can do. He's the future anyway, so let's have the future uh, start now. So, and then, yeah. and then just one last thing I wanted to mention. I've mentioned this to everybody sure. I've talked to in the division thus far. Uh, the last two times the Bears have played the AFC North, we've swept mm-hmm. the division and been the, yeah. the, the uncrowned AFC North champion for each of those last uh, two trips, <laughs> 2013, 2017. And also, like, going into our last matchup back in 2017 – um, yeah, I saw some stats where it was like, yeah, the, the, the record between the bears and the Steelers, like for the last, however meetings is like 12 and one in favor of Chicago. That blew yeah. my mind when I saw that. It's like, you know, there's just some teams that have your number. Like whenever the bears play the dolphins, God help us. You know, they just like, and I don't know what it is about Miami. They always seem to be able to eke one out over us. They were our one loss in 1985 when we won the Super Bowl and we're the best team of all time and all that kind of stuff. It's just something about mm-hmm. a team with the, the matchup. They just have your number, whether it's in Chicago or Pittsburgh. The Bears have one loss over however many games it was in that one particular stat. And it's just like, that's how can that be true? It's like, I just, I can't believe that it kind of blew my mind when I read that. So I'm interested to see if that trend can uh, continue and where this game goes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've actually I've been to the last year two Steelers Brown uh, Bears game. 
Um, the, the last time was actually my first time covering live sporting events for DKPittsburghSports.com. Um, it was actually my second away game that I had visited, too. So I was in Chicago for that one. And, and that was the – a lot of people forget, that was the Villanueva stand and yeah, yeah. flag game it where was. the entire team stood inside. I can tell you, just from sources that I have, the entire team was with that whole situation. They were not having it. And, and like, they were just like, look, like, we understand that you want to respect your country and all that, but, you know, we all voted as a team to do this one thing, and then you go out there and made it a situation where, you know, CNN was showing up in the Steelers, you know, uh, you know, press meetings now, which never happens unless, you know, there's a villain away from situation going right. on. So that, that was causing a lot of rifts that game, and they were just – they played horribly, and that was – because that was a, a, a thirteen and three year. That was one of their one of their few losses that season, uh, and it went to overtime. I remember that game, uh, yeah. and I remember going in the locker room and trying to talk to some of the players, and they were just furious about so many things that 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 day. Um, and then the time before that was uh, Antonio Brown's really like come up in game. He mm-hmm. had like three touchdowns against the Bears. Yeah, but that was of course just the that they, that that team. They were eight and eight that year. They had that was when they were growing. The next year when they got when they got things really rolling. Um, that was at Heinz Field. The next year was when they really kicked in the gear. And then the time before that, I believe, was 2009. Yep. That was, uh, that was when they lost Troy Polamalu that season and just things, you know, they were, they were nine and seven. They were an okay team, but without Polamalu and that defense, they just, they weren't the same. But the, the thing is, is that you got to understand, you guys, the Bears organization, yeah. y'all are on a lot of walls in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh lore. Like when you walk into a Steelers fan's house, that picture of Jerome Bettis, Utterly trucking Rucking and over running over Urlacher. Brian Erlacher yeah, yeah. into the snow in 05. Yeah, the, yeah, in 05. That is on so many people's because Jerome Bettis is like one of the most beloved Pittsburgh Steelers oh, of all I time, bet. and for him, for him to 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 have kind of a run in a game, they had to win to make the playoffs, and then they went on to win the Super Bowl that year in his hometown of Detroit. Right. That 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 whole run being magical, and that that what run itself. That, like where he plowed over Erlacher and then got a second guy. Like I said, th- I think he got he ran over two guys on his way to the end zone. They play that holds a special place for a lot of Steelers fans. So I mean, I feel like I feel like the, you know whoever out there has in touch with the voodoo god of football, uh, <laughs> they probably just said like, look, just give us this one and we can lose to the Bears for the next twenty years. We're fine with that, and it's very <laughs> possible that that could continue <laughs> this this year, yeah, especially if Justin Fields starts. But uh, but it, it's always it's funny like the Bears. Cause I have a few friends uh, friends who are, are diehard Bears fans, mm-hmm. and like when that happened, they were like, "Oh, I hate y'all." Uh, but then like ever since then, I mean, it's been it's been, it's been close games, it's been odd games, it's been strange things. So yeah. it could be a very interesting part. And I also think this: I think the, the Steelers play the Bears right after they play the Browns. You know, two weeks after the bye, right? Right. Yeah. That 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 to me is going to be such a metal tester for this offensive line that's young and forming. They're going to come off a bye week after playing seven games. They're going to get a defense with Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and all these other guys who are going to be coming after them. And then they got to play the Bears with Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, and Roquan Smith, and right. Dre. Like, like that's going to be back-to-back tests. If they can go through that game, un- leaving Ben Roethlisberger unscathed and he's still healthy, that I think those two games right there, that's going to be where they might gain some confidence. Be like, look, we're young, but we can figure this out. And and, you know, and if it goes badly, that might be like, a, hey, who who do we got to bring up here? Who's the, some of the young guys that are doing better on the roster that might need new chances? But that could be a big turning point in the season either way for this first Steelers. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's it's dead set in the middle of the season. So as far as questions on who our teams are at that point should pretty much be answered, you know, like just heading into the second half uh, of the year. They've they've had half a season mm-hmm. to figure it out uh, at that point. Uh, you know, the Bears are going into the bye after that game, so week nine will be game number nine. Uh, for them, so they'll already be at the halfway point of the year. You'll be a game behind us because you have a bye week before. But like the questions mm-hmm. as the identity of the team and who they're going to be should have a pretty good idea uh, at that point, and, and it should be a an interesting uh, interesting game, especially taking place um, in Pittsburgh. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Look, looking forward to it. So it's it should be fun, and we look forward to having you back uh, back then yeah, to sure. uh, to preview the. Uh, Preview the game, see how that one's going to go, and how it how the season's going at that point. Uh, is it just the Fields, or is Andy Dalton going to test his prime time record uh, against the Steelers wearing a Bear uniform? So, <laughs> be interested to see how it all turns out. Look forward to talking to you again. I am here, Larry. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Follow me on Twitter at Carter Critique. Uh, read my work at uh, DKPittsburghSports.com. Uh, not just on the Steelers, we cover the Pirates, the Penguins. Uh, we also uh, I do I do all the coverage on pit football and pit basketball. So. Mm. I don't know uh, where the NBA draft will go. You might guys might pick up Justin Champagne. I've written a lot about him. So you can check him out. Um, and uh, if you're always looking at the young guys coming up in Pittsburgh, uh, they had six guys make the NFL draft. If you want coverage of those guys, that stuff you can get for free on our website. So check us out, dkpittsburghsports.com, and uh, subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast. Give us a five-star review. That stuff really helps us out. Amen. Amen. Appreciate it, Chris. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you in a few months when we get ready for Week 9. Awesome. Thanks so much, Larry. As always, I want to thank my guest, Christopher Carter from Locked On Steelers. Be sure and check him out uh, on his social media and on the uh, on the site uh, where he does his uh, where he does his work. And um, you know, it, like I said, it's 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 the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you you never know with the Steelers. The funny thing is, uh, it 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 just seems like whenever you're down on the Steelers, whenever you have that super low opinion of them, when they look like they're scrambling. That's the year that they go 14 and two and run right through it and they go to the Super Bowl and uh, and things like that. So I don't want to be I don't want anybody to be surprised if that does happen. You know, it's like I know we just spent the last three episodes with uh, with Cincinnati, Baltimore and Cleveland all getting, you know, given a, a lesser opinion of the Steelers and how they're washed up and they're done. But they are the Steelers and this is kind of what they do. So. We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see if, uh, you know, that's as Chris Berman used to say for years on ESPN, that's why they play the games. You know, if 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 the if opinion was taken as fact, the Steelers are the fourth place finisher in the AFC North this year because Ben Roethlisberger is 180 years old. The defense, you know, the defense might keep him in some games, but they can't run the football. And all you got to do is, is uh, you know, neutralize the passing game and you got the Steelers by the short and curlies. We'll see how Najee Harris changes the uh, perception of the run game and, and how it might balance out uh, the offense and make life easier on Big Ben uh, and company. So it's uh, as usual, it's just a wait and see game um, to see how it all unfolds uh, for the Steelers. So that is going to do it for the AFC North. We're finally done with all of the devils that we don't know. 
Now it's time to move on to the Devils that we do. We'll be starting that on Monday with Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit to preview the Detroit Lions. Then next Thursday will be uh, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman from SB Nation as well to preview the Vikings. Then the following Monday, our good friend Evan Western from Acme Packing Company to preview the Green Bay Packers. And, um, you know, we, we, we might have chatted for a second or two uh, about Aaron Rodgers, you know, just kind of in passing, you know, because it's not a big deal what's going on with that, right? So, and then, of course, the finale of it all. Our good friend Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears will come in and help us preview the 2021 Chicago Bears and uh, see if we can squeeze the Justin Fields talk to just inside of about six hours. Because anyone who knows and has listened to the episodes that Lauren and I do together, they tend to run a little long. So, uh, you know, pack, a, you know, uh, pop some popcorn, put your feet up, get a nice cold drink. Uh, when you listen to that one, or plan it when you're on a 12-hour road trip across the country because we just might be able to squeeze it into that time frame. So uh, be sure to come in and check all that stuff out. Get me on the social media, at BTU underscore Larry, uh, on uh, on the Twitter and on the Instagram. I'm, I'm not a big Instagram guy, so it's just like episode notifications go out on Instagram. Um, and then there's the Facebook group. Just search Bears Talk Underground on Facebook. They'll take you right in. Uh, give us a like. Join the group. Get in on the discussion. And then finally, Club 34-7 uh, on the Spotify Green Room app, formerly the, the locker room as uh, you guys have heard the ads uh, in the shows. Uh, every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Be sure to uh, tune in. That's not, I mean, that's my weekly um, uh, time slot. But when the season starts, we're going to be uh, moving it out because I know I got a lot of people overseas, like the seven hour time difference would be, you know, if they want to join in on the Spotify green room shows uh, on Wednesdays, it's like 3 a.m. on Thursday out there. So, uh, yeah, not not getting a lot of attention from my U.K. Uh, people over there uh, overseas. So when the season starts, uh, maybe doing some, uh, you know, some live rooms during that during halftime uh, of the games, uh, like all of our preseason games, uh, I think. I think I think all three of them are like are like noon on Saturday or something like that, which would be perfect to maybe kind of do a watch along. If you guys are interested uh, in that, uh, hop on there and we'll just kind of watch the game together uh, and things like that. Or, or, you know, or do a game recap afterwards uh, to get on and talk about, uh, you know, how good or bad Dalton and Justin Fields look, what the team looks like against the Dolphins or the Bills would actually probably be an interesting uh, matchup the following week in the second week of the preseason uh, and what have you. So, you know, we're all getting close to it. Uh, Want to be a little more interactive, get some more people showing up into the Spotify uh, green room shows to kind of uh, get the discussion going. Hopefully that will uh, that will kick up a notch when the season finally gets started. So anyway, come back on Monday for Jeremy Reisman, the pride of Detroit, to help preview the Detroit Lions as we get our NFC North brethren uh, going and we get those preview episodes go and start to wrap up the 2021 opponent preview series. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.